0: welcome to the queen trail podcast
1: there are three different types of radiation alpha beta and gamma what does this technology do it's like well what can you do with electricity i just
0: survived 30 years it's i'll be positive i'm certainly not going to let a little thing like a brain tumor derail me when i got to 29 pounds i was so tired
1: i just collapsed everything Back to being
0: grounded and centered. It's a mecca for cycling, for sure.
1: Struggle is the neutralizing force.
0: And I said, there it is. This is the right family. I'm, I got like cold chills. And... With this one lone oak tree right in the middle of the trail, it's beautiful. Hey, everybody. I hope you had a great week since the last time that we got together. And for all the moms out there, I hope you had a wonderful Mother's Day. Anybody who was watching the Kentucky Derby as I was with my girlfriends with our fancy hats didn't get quite as fancy as we have in years past, but we had fun watching it. Uh was probably just wowed by the 80-1 long shot win of Rich Strike. That was really amazing. If it's something that you don't normally watch, I would suggest just watching... um, a replay on YouTube or something. It was, it was really spectacular and uh, history in the making. I'm sure there'll be a movie kind of like Seabiscuit made of that. Uh, the owners paid $30,000 for the horse and $50,000 to race against million dollar horses. And this little guy just had the winner's heart and the jockey was so strategic in the way that he maneuvered the horse on the field. So it was pretty amazing. As you can tell, I am still excited about it. Um, And then the other thing I found out, I'm going to try to post a video of this, is I was walking past my one of my little hibiscus bushes that's still in a pot, actually, out there in the yard with Vladimir, my tortoise in my hand. And Vladimir stuck his head out and started eating a hibiscus. So um I was his table, so to speak, holding him in my hand while he devoured that hibiscus, and that was really super cute. That was a first for me as well. He has got such an amazing personality, he's so food motivated. I'm I think I'm gonna try to train him to do a couple of things. Um, that'll get him a little bit more exercise. I do have him outside now. He was in the house for a little while in his penthouse, which is his tank. He doesn't like that very much because it's pretty small. So I think I've talked about this in the past. I have a kiddie pool that I put in the middle of the living room and open up curtains so that he can get some sunlight when it's too cold outside, and at least he's got some area to move around in. So now that he's outside, I can really give him the exercise that he needs because he is a little grublet. He's got this rock inside of his enclosure that he likes to climb onto, and it's got a direct view to the back door. So when you step out, he's watching the back door and he sees you coming and he just stares you down like you got food for me better put some food in my bowl and the minute that you put the food in his bowl he is just literally like pushing himself off of that rock right up into the air and running over to the food it is hilarious So um, he definitely needs a little bit more exercise. It's a pretty big enclosure, but I think he could use some more exercise. So now that I know that he's this food motivated, I'm going to spend a little bit of time trying to train him to do a couple of fun things. And I think he'll like it too. So that's a little bit of what's been going on with me. I'm really excited to present to you this episode of In the Company of Friends with my friend Paul Napora, who is a local historian. He has two pages on Meta, formerly known as Facebook. One of them is Lomita's Distant Past with Pictures, which is a photographic history group And the other one is Old Postcards of Southern California, which, of course, because they're old postcards, is also a history group. He is an educator, a historian, a photographer. Um, And we have a lot of fun on this episode. We talk about everything from rock and roll to pizza. So I think you're going to really enjoy this episode. So go ahead and grab a cuppa and join us in this in the company of friends talk with Paul Napora. There we go. We're going now. I yeah, you know, I've noticed some really interesting things since I've been doing this podcast and because I edit it myself, people use um not because they don't know what to say, but it's a thinking sound.
1: Absolutely. It's called a vocal pause. You're pausing for a moment to get your shite together, mm-hmm. um, like that.
0: Exactly. Um, I learned that going in... going to Harvard College. <laughs> Check out the brains on him.
1: Uh huh. Look at all of it. <laughs> Big old brains.
0: Ooh, I'm so glad that we're going to talk today. Are you? Do you normally, I just assume that you have breakfast on Sundays. Uh, is it every Sunday? <laughs> uh, or is it Saturdays? It seems um, like Cotton Tot and Mr. Richard are up a lot on your, <laughs> on your page.
1: Yeah, so it depends on his schedule, really. I'll send him a little text message of a pancake or a carrot. That's an inside joke. And he'll say what time and where, and that will normally be a Saturday morning.
0: Oh, okay. For some reason, I was thinking it was a Sunday thing. I guess because that's a traditional thing, right?
1: Sometimes it happens on Sundays. Yeah. Oh, you mean like traditional, like after you go to Church of Satan, then you go and eat some pancakes?
0: (laughs) Something like that. Yeah. But, you know, If you're gonna have pancakes, they need to be on fire after the Church of Satan. Actually, okay, you yeah. should just be able to breathe on them at that point and set them on fire.
1: <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Thanks for having a um, sense of humor and not being
0: <laughs>
1: Ew, you like <laughs> Satan talking through your mouth oh, or whatever. Yeah. You know, stupid. I just joke a lot and it's it's just stupid. I just it's shocked, really.
0: Yeah. Well, I think that any girl that knows that Mikey had a Pepsi just by seeing suicidal tendencies (laughs) on the wall is not really going to be that offended. All
1: right. Cool.
0: Have you ever seen them in concert?
1: Heck yeah. I saw them in San Pedro three years ago. It was called the South Bay Hoedown and it was uh, at the Lane Victory, which is at the end of whatever that street is. I'm
0: looking it up right now.
1: And it was about 30 bands. It was so badass. And I took my daughter. It was an all-day thing. And there were all these badass uh, Hispanic or Latino um, rockabilly bands from South America coming up. And they all were dressed in like it was Halloween full on. It was so badass.
0: Oh, my gosh. Was Sepultura there?
1: No, that's more of like a... Uh, Screen where metal. are they from? Yeah, they're aren't they from Brazil? I think they're
0: so, Brazilian,
1: yeah, yeah. Well, did, but did this you just was say more, South
0: America or no? Uh,
1: from south of the border, honestly. I don't know from where, but they're they were mostly rockabilly, like uh, mm. the Stray cats, but yeah. with a sprinkling of uh, <laughs> a sprinkling
0: of, the, of orale
1: orale. All right,
0: <laughs> I just saw. I just saw Maná. Okay. Yeah. At I think you forum. took your daughter. I did. I take my daughter. She is my ultimate and perennial date to any cool event.
1: Well, Maná has has been around for decades, as far as I can know.
0: Yeah, they've been around forever, and I was into Spanish rock a lot more than I mm-hmm. am now, um, and it's not. For any reason other than, you know, you just tend to gravitate away from things naturally um, and then go back to them again at some point. But I had always wanted to see Mana and I was super excited that they were out. I enjoyed it. And I think I want to say that's the first concert that I've gone to after COVID, although that might not be true. I did see Danny Elfman's Nightmare before Christmas yeah. live last year. Yeah, you know, that's actually a concert, so yeah, there we go. The Lane Victory is on Minor Street.
1: Correct. That's the name I was trying to think of, yes, Minor for sure.
0: Um, so, were you really into the punk scene?
1: I was um into Rodney on the Rock. Late at night, so I would put on my little cassette tapes and try to capture his shows because it was on really late. And I would listen to KXLU during the day. I would ride my motorcycle to Zed Records frill, in frill. Long Beach and fill my little backpack full of flyers and 7-inch records and LPs. And then I'd come back home and I'd play them, and my parents thought I was, probably thought I was nuts. When I say parents, my, my dad and my stepmom and um I would say by age 15 it was full-blown I loved it
0: full-blown nuts
1: I loved it so much
0: yeah you know I think I was like that too I started out I mean like if you want to go way way back in the day way 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 back I remember I really liked Tom Jones like when I was In first grade, I wanted to grow up and marry Tom Jones. But by the time I got to third grade, I wanted to grow up.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Engelbert Humperdinck. Was it Engelbert Humperdinck at Uh, that point? No,
0: I wanted to. I wanted to grow up and marry Sean Cassidy.
1: Oh, okay. Oh, yeah.
0: (laughs) So I was really into to do run, run, run. Then. Shortly after that, I really got into disco. Oh, wow. And I still, I don't know that that's really a guilty pleasure. Like, I love the Bee Gees. But somehow I went from that to New Wave. hmm And then from New Wave into, like, full-on metal. Nice. So I think we were kind of in the same sort of sure. musical tastes. Sure
1: it had to be a little bit on the hardcore side the music i would say at that at that point or at that juncture because for instance judas priest pretty hard and early Def leopard that was pretty hard stuff rock brigade was a bump in tune and um mm-hmm. i imagine some black sabbath sprinkled in there
0: oh my gosh my mom so i mentioned catholic school and
1: uh uh-huh, she probably hated
0: Ozzy oh, she hated everything <laughs> I yeah I had final at the time mm-hmm. um so I had Motley Crue's shout at the devil mm-hmm. with the pentagram on it and then she came across Rodney James Dio's holy diver
1: album oh yeah with satan right on the cover there
0: i'm telling you she's gonna take me to a priest for an exorcism she was very upset about that Mm -hmm. you know i go back and i listen to these songs and they're really not bad at all and they're pretty tame compared to a lot of what's out there
1: and honestly ronnie james dio um his lyrics are just not not trying to make
0: They're dichotomous You know, it's the black and the white, Mm -hmm. the beginning and the end. That's
1: exactly what he does, yes.
0: The top and the bottom. I don't (laughs) know.
1: You can't go up until you go down. Yes, exactly.
0: Something like that, yeah. It's all about the opposites. Um, But Ronnie James Dio was amazing. I got to see him just a few months before he passed away. I didn't realize he had cancer.
1: Hmm. So
0: we went to see uh, Queensryche.
1: Oh, Wow.
0: oh queens
1: mm-hmm.
0: hands down well i don't know i say that about everybody but
1: I banana rama hands down banana uh,
0: well they have a couple of good songs but no i would no i would not say it about banana rama um, <laughs> uh. <laughs> but uh yeah i really really love queens they they were
1: can, can you see the bar with your um as you're talking when you started laughing your laugh looks like a brine shrimp <laughs>
0: it looks like a brine shrimp Wait, i'm not even on that page right now oh uh, where's my
1: oh it's gone it went away oh, it went away okay. you're going to have to laugh again That's, i oh. see it
0: i see it right there yeah i feel like it looks a little bit like the skeletal center of the thulu
1: oh wow <laughs> <laughs> uh, is that like a trilobite?
0: Perhaps a, a tri- trilobite. Trilobite,
1: whatever the hell they are like called. That. Trilobite. A chitin. Oh wow. Yeah.
0: Today they're called they're called chitons. I don't think the trilobites are around anymore. No. But yeah, it was Queen's Reich, Alice Cooper, I think Anthrax. Noise. Yeah. I'm the man. Um yeah. and then Ronnie James Dio's Black Sabbath. Very nice. It was an amazing concert. Okay. So, anything else on music before we move no. on?
1: You're you're no okay. you're in charge of this train wreck. <laughs> so whatever you want to do, you're the conductor.
0: Crazy train for sure. Okay, uh, okay. Paul Napora is a trained artist, teacher, historian, and community builder. He received his bachelor's from Cal State University Dominguez Hills with a major in studio art and a minor in art history, later returning to earn single and multiple subject teaching credentials. He's a world traveler. He loves nostalgic American cafe breakfasts. So thank you for being here. I'm so excited to have you on.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: <laughs> so first I have to ask how you ended up being born in Buffalo, New York, but lived your entire life in Southern California.
1: My parents are from that area. And so when my brother and I were really young, my Aunt Sandy, who's my mother's older sister, my Aunt Sandy moved to Marina del Rey, area and um so my mother came out to visit a couple times and she got that california dreaming bug and she wanted to move out here in the worst way and so my father my mother my older brother jimmy and i moved we ended up in lomita i don't know how but we did we ended up there and i would always ask my father you could have landed anywhere in california you ended up in lomita And he said that he liked the small town feel. He liked the afternoon breeze that blows through off the airport. And it was just in a good spot. So that's how we ended up in Lomita. Hmm. And I'm going to stick to that.
0: Yeah. Lomita does have that small town feel. I mean, it was formerly farmland. Correct. And it seems like it developed a lot slower than some of the other South Bay cities that are around it.
1: Sure. I think that what you're seeing up in Rolling Hills, where you can come across um, houses that have barns in the back and there are horses and chickens and goats, you can still find that in Lomita. However, it's not quite as popular or as big as it once was in the mid to late 20th century.
0: Yeah, I've seen some of those stables. I remember I had a friend who had a horse at a stable right over by where we both used to live. And she talked me into getting onto this horse that was inside of a larger stable area. And once I got on the horse, she slapped the horse's butt, <laughs> started oh, no. running in circles. I thought I was going to die. Um, I think I was like in fifth or sixth grade at the time. So I, I'm surprised that I still like horses. As she fell off of the railing laughing. But I'd forgotten about that memory until you just mentioned that.
1: You're welcome.
0: Yeah, thank you.
1: I um, I like other people's horses. I'm not a very horsey kind of person. My brothers are the horse.
0: Yeah? Yep. Does he have horses?
1: Horses and uh, donkeys and goats. and He had a turkey, but the coyote's got the turkey. He's got geese, and ducks and chickens, and of course roosters and cats and dogs. Yeah, he's got it all. Yeah,
0: cats and dogs always come along as part of the package. hmm That's so cool. It sounds like a real farm. Is he right there in Lomita, too?
1: No, he moved to San Diego. Oh, okay. Yeah.
0: Wow, nice.
1: Hot down there. It does tend to
0: get really hot. So you mentioned the airport.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, that, to me, was a huge part of growing up in Lomita in part because we owned a plane. My dad owned a Cessna. Uh-huh. That was an acrobatic plane. Uh, so that was a lot of fun. We'd go up and do rolls and go straight up and kill the engine and come down in a spiraling nosedive. And he'd start the engine back up and pull out of it. And we just thought it was the greatest thing ever. But you can't get away from the airplanes in Lomita. Nope. And that that has a certain kind of charm to it, I think.
1: I do. I agree. I think so. It's not like you have 747s going over. They're just little propellered airplanes. So um, it's quaint for sure. Yeah.
0: And, you know, before that book. um,
1: Oh, Uh, Unbreakable.
0: Yes. Before Unbreakable came out. I just always called that airport Torrance Airport. Right. I don't think it ever had another name. And then it became Lewis Zamperini Field. And now everybody calls it Zamperini Field.
1: Yeah. Um, so I've done quite a bit of research on that Florence Airport name. So the, the airport came about just after the bombing of Pearl Harbor. Um, a lot of the material that was used to make the flight strip level came from the foothills. Of Rolling Hills, Chandler's, and Butcher's talc mine, um, they would bring all that there and flatten it so that airplanes could land there, and that was called the Lamita flight strip. It had been annexed by the city of Torrance, but it was really undeveloped, was just really strawberry fields and whatever else. The Japanese family, or well, a couple of Japanese families. After the bombing of Pearl Harbor, the family wasn't allowed to stay. And that piece of land, which was prior to that was the Weston ranch. It was taken by the, I think army corps of engineers and the eminent domain kicked in there and they turned it into a flight strip and they housed, I think it's like a P-19 or something and throughout world war two, it was used for training and when the war was over a few months after they stopped using it as a place to house airplanes for the war and soldiers it was deeded back to torrance and it just sat there for a couple of years until torrance decided let's turn it into a municipal airport and about that time lou Zamperini was supposedly they all thought that he was captured and killed so they dedicated that airport to him, and they renamed it Zamperini Airport back in the 40s. It didn't get its sign out there on Pacific Coast Highway until real recent. I would say probably in the last 25 years they put it up. Oh, and after World War II, right around 48, there was a camp full of trailers right there on the Lomita flight strip for the returning Japanese from the internment camps, and they were housed there and uh, resettled, I guess, in the area to Lomita or Harbour City. Torrance wasn't really big on accepting them. So there's a little bit of history on the Lomita flight strip.
0: It was probably the P-19s. I mentioned just very briefly in a former episode, I believe it was episode 21 with my cousin Paul. We mentioned that our grandmother was a Rosie the Riveter, wow. and she worked brazing P- the oil tanks for P19s in Hawthorne. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So I'm kind of thinking that that is probably correct. Um, it was Ishibashi yeah. Tom Ishibashi's Torrance roadside produce stand. And I remember walking because there was a hole in the fence between (laughs) where we lived and the bowling alley (laughs) that is no longer there, Mm -hmm. PV Bowl. There was a hole there and we would walk through the fence and go over to the produce stand because they had the best strawberries ever. And unfortunately, that closed down um, 2012, 20, sometime around then.
1: Recent. It was pretty recent. I think the old man um, died. And I think that there was an issue with the lease and probably Lexus was over there, you know, eyeballing the area. Now it's just a big parking lot.
0: Wow. That was a lot of history on that. Um, You know, one of the things that I did not mention In your illustrious introduction, is that you are also a historian, as evidenced by the information that you just provided on the Torrance Airport, like you like to research the area. And in the past few years, you created two online communities. One is All Things Lomita, which is the quaint little South Bay town that was formerly farmland and which we both consider our hometown. And it's called Lomita's Distant Past with Pictures. And the other one is dedicated to old postcards of Southern California. And it bears the same title. And I'll be snooty and call it the eponymously named old postcards of Southern California. What inspired you to start these sites and what's been the most gratifying experience from them?
1: huh well i do like local history and i felt as though there wasn't a whole lot of representation uh for lomita and a lot of people just didn't have any idea how old the city was the city's over a century old so i created that facebook group about a week prior to going on a week's vacation with my daughter to Japan. I just put a few old pictures up there, explained what I wanted to see. I left it an open group, so anybody who wanted to join could join. Originally though, it was called Lamita's Distant Past. And about a month into it, I kept having to explain that it's for pictures. So one of the members, Monica, said, why don't you call it "Lamita's Distant Past with Pictures? This uh, Facebook group, it's to share old pictures. We've got over 3,500 images, a couple dozen video clips, and some go as far back to the 50s. And... Um, the pictures are all over the place so if you want to talk about wilson where you used to get levi's and
0: levi's yeah
1: and their op t-shirts then and their
0: puka shell necklaces yeah
1: exactly <laughs> you all you need to do is a quick search of the media and you'll find lots of old pictures of wilson's outside and inside it's growing i think we have 2500 members, they go on there and they just kill it. They, they bring turn-of-the-century photographs and all sorts of amazing stuff. But we try to keep it as close to the Lomita area as possible.
0: So you curate the group pretty closely. You're doing that all yourself?
1: I am. And I will report things too. So that's how groups work.
0: And you were going to say when I so rudely interrupted, you started it because. Oh, yeah. So there there's just
1: no representation of old Lamita. So Lamita has uh, its historical society and they don't put a whole lot on it, which is fine. You know, I would covet anything, too, because it's pretty rare. But what I created is something for people to share their photos. People are going on there and they're opening their family photo albums and they're sharing stuff going back to the turn of the century. And that's what I wanted to happen. So that's what's happening. And the reason why I started it is because there's, again, no representation. And if it weren't for us incorporating back in 64, we would be just part of torn.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, one of the things that I do really enjoy about Lomita's distance past with pictures uh, is...
1: All is the spam. Reading,
0: <laughs> all of the spam. I, I actually haven't seen any, you know.
1: Because you when, know what? I'm on the ball. That's why.
0: Yes, you are. You, you, you are ahead of the eight ball. That's for sure. You're like, I'm preempting that. Just going to start deleting everything as soon as it comes on. Um, But what I really enjoy is reading people's personal stories and it kind of comes back, I guess, a little bit to the reason why I started this podcast is that people need a platform. They need a place to be able to share their stories to be able to be heard and um, some of the stories that I've read on your community I mean they're just really transport you back to a time and an era of new beginnings of you know you get the idea that some Not the easiest place to live in when it first started, but it did have that hometown feel. And you see those pictures of people sitting in places that look a little bit foreign because they're so old and everything hasn't been built up around them. But then somebody says, Oh, this is the corner of such and such, or this is the home that's on XYZ Street. Right. And, or, you know, it's right next to Lomita Park. And you go, oh my gosh, that's so amazing. And you can spend a lot of time. It's, you know, what we used to do when we were growing up, going through photo albums and just flipping the pages and really appreciating every detail of a photograph, kind of absorbing it to try to get, um, to have that nostalgic. I think that that's what your site has. I think that's a good word. It's got a very nostalgic feel to it, but it does have a really strong community sense to it as well, which is what a small town is all about.
1: I like the perspective you're giving it. Thank you. You're welcome.
0: Obviously, it's going to continue to evolve. It's going to continue to change. It needs to keep up with whatever's going on in society now. But I think that that core, that nugget of what Lomita is supposed to be is really well represented on on that site and um, or on that page and i also Mm -hmm. was wondering what your interest is with old postcards from southern california because there's some cool stuff on there too
1: right i again i'm just trying to focus on lomita and i'm hoping that eventually somebody will post something that i've never seen before so i tried to keep it southern california so I kept it everything from San Luis Obispo south and from same area San Luis Obispo across to Needles. That is what I consider Southern California, with a sprinkling of Death Valley and a bit of uh, Sequoia. But in general, I just try to keep it Southern California, and I'm hoping to see people post things that will help me remember my childhood or my adult my young adult life. Southern California's got, you know, tens of millions of people and lots of postcards. So, I thought it was great and uh, the idea of seeing people posting their old Disneyland postcards and uh, Marine Land, you know, you got Marine Land postcards and uh Ports of Call, Knott's Berry Farm, SeaWorld uh, Lion Country Safari. There you go. So I wanted to see all that stuff. So I made a group and I try to focus on that part of California. And so that's why I did it.
0: Um, So do you notice a difference between who posts on Lomita's distant past with pictures versus who posts old postcards from Southern California?
1: Um, The people that post pictures in... For the Lomita group are generally people that live in the Lomita area or have at one time lived in the Lomita area. The people who post in the postcard group are from all over the world. Wow. Right?
0: So you're getting a completely different community on each one of these pages. That's really cool. Yes. What's been the most gratifying experience from these two sites, these two pages?
1: Um, I would say when somebody who is probably in their 80s or 90s opens up their family photo album and they just share amazing pictures that are almost a century old. And there's the story that goes along with it. That right there. And also more recent photos of things that i might have forgotten as a child but somebody will post a picture from lomita park in the early 70s and i'll say oh yeah i remember climbing around in those cement tubes or hanging out underneath that cement turtle i remember doing that so that's why that's what i like about the lomita
0: site that's so funny. I remember taking cooking lessons at Lomita Park. Got a lot of good recipes from uh, from those classes. I remember my sister and I would take turns making dinner for the family, and a lot of times it was Lomita Park cooking class recipes. They were just really easy and super tasty.
1: That's great. And it sounds like it's not too extravagant, not using a lot of fancy olive oil and, you know, having to smash up garlic and stuff, right? Just more like, uh, you got to boil these noodles, then you got to add a can of that.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Um, I we used to ride bikes a lot. And there used to be a Dunkin Donuts on the corner of Sepulveda Boulevard and Crenshaw. Mm -hmm. So we would ride our bikes up there and the Mexican restaurant El Paso Cantina.
1: What about that giant field behind? Then it was Thrifties. So that behind the Rolling Hills Theater, which was just three theaters, uh, there was a big field back there, and you could ride your horses back there. Some people took their motorcycles back there. It was just a big open field. It
0: was a big open field back there. Um, I loved it. We would ride our bikes over to the Parasol Restaurant that was on Crenshaw PCH. Sure that was always a Mm -hmm. favorite too. So, um, and then I remember my parents had 10 speeds and we had single speed kid bikes. And my dad Mm -hmm. decided one day that we were going to ride up to Francisco's deli that is right there in the mirrorless plaza.
1: Oh, wow.
0: And we, we rode up PV drive East with our single speed bikes and that was a little bit crazy but also my dad is the one that used to ride his bike he hasn't in a couple of years but he used to ride from lomita to arizona solo on his bicycle to go visit his sisters out there um, right. who had moved to arizona so you know i guess he was training us for that
1: when is your tri- <laughs> when's your trip when are you gonna go <laughs> on your single speed Your huffy. Oh my God. My my huffy.
0: That's basically, you know what? I think that is exactly what we had. I don't think I will be making that ride. Uh, Um, Yeah, that it's pretty harsh. You know, I wanted to do a documentary on him. And I kept telling him, the next time you go out, let me know because I can get a group of my friends and Mm -hmm. put a documentary together. He would tell me, okay, but I think he wasn't like super comfortable with that. And so one day he called me and must've been like 10 o'clock in the morning or something. And he said, I just want to let you know, I'm in Arizona now. And (laughs) I'm like, what?
1: He avoided (laughs) you. So you wouldn't make some documentary about him. Oh, tricky.
0: It was funny because I said, yeah, I'll come out right now because I really, really want to get some footage. So time. I called Sophie, who was in high school at the time, and or I texted her, Grandpa's in Arizona. Do you have any tests? And she said, no, come pick me up right now. So she was game for it. And nice. we took our cameras out there and did get a little bit of footage of him coming back. But wow, you know, he would leave Arizona and ride... Ride along whatever the highway is over there uh then he'd get off
1: is it the 40
0: it must be yeah it must be the 40.
1: did he go through phoenix
0: mm-hmm. he
1: either went f- through um flagstaff through uh towards needles or he went yes. 17 south to phoenix to the
0: 10. no towards needles
1: Okay, so that was the 40.
0: So he would ride He, you have to get on the highway and there's these giant trucks, you know. That's crazy. So, um, yes. I think that was about 5 don't or 6. I think it's miles. legally.
1: I think it's again the law.
0: <laughs> yeah, there's signs everywhere that say that. Uh, <laughs> but he said
1: <laughs> no pedestrians, no
0: pedestrians, no bicycles, I'm no vehicle, non motorized yeah. vehicles, and he
1: does it anyway. He does
0: it anyways, and then that's he hot. gets off on uh, Crystal Springs Road or something like that, and then from there
1: mm. he gets
0: on Route sixty six and takes that through to okay. Amboy, and that's usually where okay. he stays the night, or if he feels up to it he'll ride up to um 29 palms he'll go to 29 palms and then sleep there for the night and then the next day he leaves 29 palms and rides on in and usually he would stop in riverside because that's where my aunt one of his sisters lived and you know by five Uh o'clock in the evening he was passing disneyland and then he'd get home a couple of hours after that hour and a half or so
1: how amazing I would never do that but that sounds so amazing I know
0: I know I just
1: I would drive it I mean I've driven it tons but I would never take a bicycle out to the middle of the desert that sounds like suicide
0: (laughs) you know the first time for me yeah I think for most people but I mean when he was a really really experienced seasoned Bicycle rider by that point and he really wanted to challenge himself and I feel like he always has been that person, you know, he learned how to fly a plane, he would ride motorcycles, he got a glider, he got a trailer that he put out in the middle of the desert, and would fly his glider out to this trailer and spend the the weekend there, catch rattlesnakes, figured out how to kill it and skin it himself. Stuck it in the refrigerator one day. Wow. No, You know, in a bowl. And I guess he was going to cook it. His mom opened the door, refrigerator door. And there's this skin dead rattlesnake staring back at her. Um, I don't think he got to cook it because she completely flipped. <laughs> but, you know, he would do stuff like that. He liked to fish. He liked to hike. He um, flew his plane to to Alaska and Canada and you know like he told me I the the reason there's an axe in the plane is because you have to by law at least back at that time you had to have an axe if you were flying up into these inhabitable territories or you know these rather harsh territories just in case you got stuck you know and and the grizzly was coming after you 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 had a weapon but <laughs> Sure. Um, really, I'm sure it was just to, you know, if you got stuck, you could chop wood and at least build a fire. But, um, yeah, you know, I don't know what I got on that sideline, but there you go. My ADD making its appearance.
1: <laughs> you did <laughs> I it. I did it. Good job. <laughs>
0: Thank you. So, um, I am <laughs> going to shift course here again, but this time on purpose, <laughs> ask you a you have some great art projects and I would love to hear what influenced you to become an artist
1: well I would say that as a youngster I would watch the morning cartoons and Saturday morning cartoons specifically and I would sit there and I would draw all the characters and that's what my dream was was do cartooning for disney when i got older
0: i do have to say that i'm really impressed that you were drawing the characters because Mm -hmm. saturday morning cartoons for me was can i eat that whole box of cereal because i'm gonna watch cartoons until there are no more cartoons to watch so i feel like you spent your time a whole lot more scholarly than i did mine
1: oh good description Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would doodle. I would take a piece of paper and pen or pencil and I would try to draw whatever I saw. And I was always just kind of gifted with being creative like that. I would build things that I would I would find stuff in the trash and make spaceships out of the junk with masking tape. And I had a really big imagination. And I really wasn't the best student in elementary, middle, or high school. And I really struggled. And I find it very ironic that I'm in a class environment, you know, a school environment as an adult. Yeah,
0: that just struck me as interesting.
1: I struggled so much in school. I struggled with reading and everything. But with art, it was a different story. I could draw whatever, and it's um, it's become more... Uh, I have a hard time focusing on one thing, uh, especially with art. I get bored real quick, so I just... Whatever's floating my boat at the moment, which lately has just been photography just take lots of pictures. And whatever I'm teaching the kids at school, that'll be whatever it is I'm creating.
0: Yeah. So that really struck me as, you know, fascinating and just really super cool that you struggled as a child to learn. And yet as an adult, you decided to go back to school after earning your degrees in art to become a teacher.
1: I wanted to become an art teacher. Yeah, just
0: kind of share that happy place, creating art.
1: Yes, I. that was my escape for sure. And I loved going to the Old Town Mall and buying comic books. I loved going to Rainbow Liquor on Lomita Boulevard and buying Star Wars cards. And I would just go home and I'd flip through my comic books. I wouldn't read them. I'd just look at the pictures. i try to draw them.
0: Those were some cool memories of Lomita. Did you go into the Lomita Five and Dime? Did they have any of that kind of stuff there?
1: Paul, yeah. Halls Five and Dime did not have comic books that I remember, but uh, they did have those penny candies. Mm-hmm. I used to get lots of candy from there. Yeah. I loved it.
0: Yeah. I was just telling Sophie about that. You'd walk in there. We must have been driving past there because it's like a carpet place or something now. So you said you really like photography a lot. What's the, what is the process behind that? How would you describe yourself as a photographer?
1: I purchased a 35 millimeter digital camera a few years back because I was tired of using my cell phone. I had an XLM and the XLM was cool. Of course, you could really do some focusing and and make things look kind of, you know, blurry in the back, that sort of thing. But I wanted to get away from using cell phones to take pictures because the quality is not as good. And really, I just take pictures of wherever I am. It could be an old building. It could be a rusty fence. It could be paint peeling off the side of a wall. It could be an alley, trash, nature. Whenever I feel inspired to take pictures. The moon, too. I, I got pretty good at capturing all the craters on the moon's surface. It's kind of cool.
0: Yeah, that's always a challenge for photographers to mm-hmm. to get them in. And you definitely can't do that with a cell phone.
1: No, it's just a blurry nothing.
0: Yeah, the focus isn't there, you know, but they're so, so handy. I love photography too, but the majority of my photographs are on my cell phone and I just get really close mm-hmm. to things. <laughs> so,
1: yeah, that's the way so to do I it. Have a
0: good focus. That's great. <laughs> So I have to ask you, because Mm. when you were going to school, you know, like everybody else, we all have to have a job. I did everything when I was going to school from being a shoe salesperson. I ended up with over a hundred shoes and it was the Imelda Marcos collection. But I had the coolest shoes. That was one of my favorite jobs. I was a switchboard operator, like a... Bonafide, pull the wire out of the board and stick it into the ride extension type of thing.
1: Wow. But
0: the one thing that I have to say about that time period is that I changed jobs frequently during those years, but I noticed that you stayed. You were a pizza delivery driver for 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> and
1: <laughs> Loser. Well, I mean,
0: even I, I wouldn't say that, but even after earning your degrees and becoming a teacher, you were still delivering pizzas.
1: So let me let me just correct you there. In June of 2006, I received my credential and that same week I quit the pizza job.
0: Sacrilege.
1: I had some money in the bank and I just said, I need to just cut myself off from this. And so I just started applying. Scrock hired me 31 bucks an hour to teach digital animation.
0: Yeah. And compared to what were you making as a delivery driver back then?
1: Well, uh, minimum wage was about seven, maybe six or seven dollars. But the with the tips and all that...
0: So you went from $7 to 31
1: Right. But with all the tips junk, I always made more than 20 bucks an hour. Take home was most of it. But going from pizza delivery to $31 an hour uh, was a big step. And before that even happened, I got hired to teach ceramics for the summer. So that was my very first contract. It began... Right after school got out, so June 2006.
0: Wow, that must have been glorious.
1: That was so cool. So I had the confidence, or I quit the pizza place. Nice. I, and I have never since, uh, and I've been gone
0: from there for
1: woo, 16 years, I guess. Uh, I have not had a pizza since.
0: <laughs> okay, so do you like pizza?
1: I do. Uh-huh.
0: What's, your, what's your favorite toppings?
1: um i like vegetables not too many because i don't like a wet pizza but just vegetables
0: yum yeah i i'm trying to think of what my favorite is i think i think i really do like vegetables too but every once in a while i will throw some some sausage on there i do like a, a good barbecue chicken pizza
1: uh-huh yeah We used to experiment with all sorts of stuff. We'd make breakfast pizzas. We'd make all sorts of weird things.
0: It was fun. Mm, That sounds like fun. I think pizza is perhaps the most perfect food on the planet. I mean, it's an edible plate with a bunch of stuff on top of it that tastes really super good and mm-hmm. it tastes to me it I, I will eat a cold slice of pizza the next morning but i do have an air fryer so i like to get it just it, it just gets crispy and tastes even better sure what made you stay for what did you work mm-hmm. for the same chain for 20 years pretty much
1: yeah um, i'm a fairly stable consistent person i don't like change and I was making more money than anybody around me. I had a house. I was paying the mortgage. Truck was paid off. I had a family, and it all worked. And I did it delivering pizza. Again, I'm still in the same spot. Lomita, I'm here. Mm-hmm. And
0: that's been your constant companion throughout.
1: Yeah, I suppose. Lomita, the South Bay, punk rock. Love it.
0: What else is there? I mean, my gosh! Um, <laughs> <laughs> exactly.
1: Pizza, Pe- punk rock, and <laughs> going to the Shamrock.
0: Uh, yeah, exactly. I mean, that doesn't—that's not a bad situation to be in. That's for sure. No. And you got free pizza, right?
1: Yeah, pizza. I used to bring pizza home all the time. There was always pizza in the fridge. Rock hard. <laughs> um, yeah, it was all right. And I did pizza in high school, too. So from high school all the way till I finally got my teaching credentials, I was pizza delivery guy.
0: So honestly, I do find it astounding that you could do so much on a pizza delivery budget. You know, um, that's awesome. That's awesome.
1: Things were different back then. Uh, listen, you could buy a house real close to the beach for 150,000 back then. This was the early 90s. Oh my
0: gosh, I am constant not constantly. Okay, so I
1: periodically, periodically angry? <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, yeah, sure. Sure. I mean, you know, if I had a time <laughs> machine, I'd, pro- I'd probably go back. I mean, I was very young, very young in the 80s, but the 80s and early 90s were magical uh-huh. in terms of pricing and what was available. I remember I had this amazing job. I worked in healthcare and of course I was single and I would add to my hundred plus shoe collection regularly and go shopping. And I got my first car at that time. Everything was really inexpensive. So yeah, yeah, you're right. Um, It's all relative, right? You might not be able to do that as a pizza delivery driver today. Mm. But I do find that really amazing. And I've never worked as a delivery person. So I imagine that you have some really crazy stories.
1: Uh, yeah, some. One time, so I had a truck, and I would throw the pizzas in the bags. I put them in the back of the truck. And so I got to the address, which was an apartment complex, and I grabbed the top bag, which had the pizza for that particular address, and I ran across the street, and a car full of teenagers pulled up behind my truck, and they got out, and they started...
0: That. oh no
1: they started jacking my pizzas and i yelled across the way i yelled i said hey knock that off and one of them looked at me and goes fuck you
0: <laughs> oh my god
1: i saw i just shook my head and they took my pizzas and the bags and they drove away and uh that was one story there's tons of them oh my anyways makes you feel pretty stupid so i i told my boss i go you know i probably should have put the pizzas inside the truck and locked the door and told him i'd buy more bags and he's like don't worry about it shit happens and so we just moved on yeah
0: yeah oh was there um a really good story something that really surprised you during that time period Did anybody give you like like a $1,000 tip or something
1: like that. Oh, okay. So I was delivering a pizza right down the street from Wilderness Park. And the guy was in the garage and he goes, hey, would you do me a favor and put this shelving unit in the back of your truck and just drive it around the corner and put it in front of my neighbor's house? He wanted it. And I said, okay. So we put it in and my my tailgate wouldn't close very well so he goes, just just try And so I, I'm pulling on the handle and the handle breaks off <laughs> and I'm pissed off I'm and so we deliver this thing around the corner and I come back and he gave me like an extra 10 bucks and I said, "Great And he was like, what's wrong?" And I said, so I did you a favor and the handle on my tailgate broke off and he goes, well, it was probably old and I said, but it's broken now i mean now i need to get that fixed and he goes i'll tell you what and he turned around and he grabbed a stack of records and he handed them to me And he goes take these my wife's going to be pissed but take these and sell them and i'll bet you'll get a lot of money for them and then you can get your truck fixed and i said oh okay whatever so i left i had no idea and um that evening, I got home, and this is easily twenty-two years ago. And I'm looking at these records. He gave me a stack of Beatles albums, and one of them oh was the very right. One of them was the very first uh, American issue of the Beatles album that they first came out with when they were on the Ed Sullivan Show. I don't remember the name of it, but I put it on eBay, and it went for like a hundred and fifty dollars back then. Wow! And I was able to get my tailgate handle for I think it was about sixty dollars. I still had some Beatles records left over. I might even have a couple left. Oh my gosh! Left, but, uh.
0: That was really nice. And I bet you that his wife did hit the roof when she found out <laughs> he gave away the collection.
1: Quite possible. It's
0: the hmm. Beatles, man. <laughs> yeah. What What was it that John said? We're bigger than Jesus Christ
1: that's right that caused yeah. a lot of controversy
0: oh yeah yeah it did i Not would that say i was around that, back then no but, but i remember the story i would say that that wasn't uh an accurate statement i think people talk about jesus christ more than they do about the Beatles, but um just you know just making an observation john was wrong
1: for sure no for sure <laughs>
0: um so i have two Two things that I want to ask you. If you had one thing that you could share with the world, what would it be?
1: Oh wow. Um don't wait to do those things that you want to do, whether they be traveling or learning how to surf or playing guitar or learning how to play piano. Don't wait because if you wait. You might end up just missing out on doing any of that stuff. So if something strikes your fancy, you should do it. If you want to walk, you want to hike down to the bottom of the Grand Canyon, you should do it now. That's what I would give to anybody as advice.
0: The best time to do anything is now, right? For sure. I I like that advice.
1: Like, remember Control Data Institute? I'll get to that tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow.
0: <laughs> yeah, I know. I had forgotten about that.
1: That's really cool. Make that phone call. I'll call tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. And they would just never get to it.
0: They'd never get to it. Mm-hmm. Some days, that is the story of my life. For sure. Um, but, you know, I I think less and less because I do embrace that philosophy, that the the things that catch your interest, catch your interest for a reason. And you got to at least Mm -hmm. try them out when the availability is there. Um, I think the thing that bothers me the most is all those things that you mentioned, I want to do all of those things. And I know that I can only focus on one of them at a time to be really good at it. Right. So just, you know, too many things, not enough time. And you can you can just have that inertia. So focus on the one thing that's most important and definitely get on it. And I realize I completely that's good advice. Well, thank you. Um, <laughs> I realize I completely missed something else I wanted to ask you about, which is traveling. Yeah. You like to travel.
1: Yeah. So my bucket list is all 50 states before I leave the continental United States. However, three years ago, we did go to Tokyo and it was graduation gift for my daughter who got her associate's degree. But back to it and well, and then COVID hit. So I've been not really going anywhere for the last couple of years. However, uh, I think this summer I'm probably going to hit the DC area. I've never been to Washington, DC. So uh, that whatever state dc is in i think it's in its own little district it is but all the little states around there and then i'll know i'll have a better understanding of that area so when i'm in front of a classroom i can say this is where this is and this is what's north this is what's south etc. i like that and i'll visit the smithsonian got anything else in in the can or in the tank
0: yeah if If you were going to put together your ultimate zombie fighting team, who would be on it?
1: Oh, wow. So Mickey Rourke, top of the list. And uh, probably a bunch of hockey players.
0: (laughs) I love that. The entire Kings team. And Mickey Rourke Rourke is a badass, isn't
1: he? He's my favorite actor.
0: How come? Uh,
1: I saw him in Angel Heart and I was, and and nine and a half weeks. He's the man that I.
0: Bromance. Yeah. You have the bromance going. I,
1: you know, if I could be a cool dude, uh, like Mickey Rourke, I would have it made, but. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Very cool. So Mickey Rourke and a full on hockey team.
1: Of zombies. Yep.
0: Hitting it out of the ballpark. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Those hockey sticks slice. So do the the ice skates. Mm -hmm. Those might not be bad weapons. Mm -mm. Very cool. All right. So I am going to put links in the show notes about everything that we've talked about. Is there anything else that you want to add?
1: No, ma'am. It's been a
0: blast. No, it has been a blast. What a great episode. I always have so much fun chatting with Paul. He is hilarious. He's got so many great stories. I hope that we inspired you to check into the history of your city. And if it happens to be Lomita, please join one of Paul's groups on Meta, formerly known as Facebook. They are Lomita's Distant Past with Pictures and Old Postcards of Southern California. As always, I will post links to everything that we talked about today in the show notes. And be sure to stay past the song at the end for today's bloopers. Send me your questions and suggestions as usual. I love hearing from you. And please take a moment to rate this episode. It only takes seconds and it really does help to push this podcast closer to the top of the searches so that my friends and I can reach more people My friends are amazing and I am so excited to share upcoming in the company of friends talks with you. So be sure to follow me on the socials and the dot com all at the Queen Trail podcast. That's T-H-E-Q-U-A-I-N-T-R-E-L-L-E podcast. I am Silannan, the Queen Trail, and until next time, I wish you passion, grace, adventure, community elegance and beauty
1: I hear it again I hear it again but I'm not moving Huh I'm not moving <laughs> I promise you Hey who likes hot and todd Can I get a what what you know <laughs> <laughs> Woo woo did I lose you? Did you turn your mic off?
0: Oh, I think I did turn my mic off. Oh my gosh. I was.
1: There you are.
0: I was talking. That's okay.